When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from Lightning insider.com that's where you can find my written work and how you doing lightning fans did you make it through did you survive another overtime thriller did you survive another game where the lightning were just the better team and yet they were sitting there tied late into another overtime game the sixth overtime win of this playoffs how's your heart rate are are you are you in the the fat burning zone yet is that where things are these days for you? Oh, wow, what what an unbelievable series that was against the Islanders. I know uh, many of you uh, who showed up in my Twitter timeline throughout the night uh, on Thursday, as you sweated out another one, felt that, uh, oh, this is where it ends. I, the, the, the impending dread of doom is something to witness for sure uh, from many who show up on my timeline and uh, it's just amazing what this team has has done. Uh, they knock off the New York Islanders a two to one game uh, in the, deep into the first overtime. Anthony Sorelli with the game winner and uh, sets off the celebration, sets off the trip to the Stanley Cup Finals and a date with the Dallas Stars. And uh, I I'm at a I'm almost at a loss for words in trying to describe what this team just went through and uh to to witness it and and to kind of you know see it through the players eyes as as much as I can in these situations where you know you can't be in the building and and you can't you know you're only allowed to see what the television screen shows you for most of us I know there are some media in the building but for most of us just like you know you guys the fans sitting there watching the game on television we're witness to the same situation so it's a little bit different um, try and, and kind of see things through their perspective. But, you know, you, you think back to what this team has been through over the last five years, ever since they fell in six games of the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2015 Stanley Cup final, to get back to two other conference finals since then, to have your heart ripped out of you 
in both of those conference finals. You're up 3-2 against Pittsburgh on home ice with a chance to clinch and go to the Stanley Cup final. You can't get the job done, and you lose a 2-1 game in Game 7 in Pittsburgh to miss the playoffs completely in 2017 and then just miss it by a point. And then to get back to this the conference final in 2018, you have a 3-2 series lead again heading to Washington for Game 6 with a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup final, and you lose the final two games. And then you have what happened to them last year, just the embarrassment at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, the the Columbus Blue Jackets didn't embarrass the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning embarrassed themselves with that performance in in four-game sweep at the hands of Columbus last year. And to to sit now here on this moment, even in this crazy 2020 COVID era that we're all dealing with in different ways, to see them back now on the grandest stage uh, for a chance to compete for the cup, uh, it's 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 something to see. It's a marvel to see. And they were tested. Their patience against this Islanders team, I told you, if you've been listening all along, about what this Islanders team will do to you. They they do not make mistakes. They will they will wait you out. Just like they did in game five. That was another game where Tampa Bay had the better of the chances, especially in the overtimes. You know, they had the puck a lot in the Islanders end. And then there was one and I'm not even going to call what happened to Kevin Shattenkirk a mistake. It was just an unfortunate break. Like he didn't do anything wrong. He just had the the puck stick to the ice or, you know, whatever it happened to be. And the Islanders get a two on one out of it and end up burying the the goal and, and win that game to extend it to a game six. Um, and, and just think of these two games, like the first four games of this series. Okay. Eight, two was a wipeout, right? Like that was a blowout win. The rest of the series, as we, we knew it was going to be was tight. You know, I like, I don't think the league did the Islanders any favors for game one, having to play a game seven, uh, in Toronto against Philadelphia on a Saturday travel on Sunday to get to Edmonton late in the afternoon, get to Edmonton and then turn around and have to start the series. Like that was you want to talk about scheduled losses. Anybody who's been listening to me for a while has heard me use that phrase uh, a number of times, a scheduled loss. That was a scheduled loss for the Islanders. Ends up as an 8-2 blowout. But every game after that was close. Think about game two. It took a Nikita Kucherov goal with eight seconds left on the clock to, to win that game. Um, you know, they, these past two games were both 2-1 uh, finals. Uh, the Islanders won 4-3 in, in, in their uh, first win of the series in game three. Um, you know, it was the Braden Point Nikita Kucherov show in Game Four, or sorry for in uh, yeah in Game Four to take a three-one series lead, and then you've got these just patient testing, f- mental fortitude testing type situations here in Games Five and Game Six. You know, and, and like it'll test you, and uh, to to what has already been a, a very mentally draining, mentally challenging situation for all these players. You know, John Cooper was talking about it after the game and they've been in a hotel since July 26. So here we are, September 18th. So it's been almost two straight months in a hotel. It'll be just about two straight months by the time they get to crown a champion uh, at the end of the series against the Dallas Stars. And so you have all of that going on and then you have to play an Islanders team like that. And to have these past two games, I mean, game five went to double overtime. 
tonight went to overtime again, tied 1-1 in a game again where Tampa Bay absolutely dominated the Islanders, especially in the early stages of this game. I mean, in in normal circumstances, this is a a 3-0 game coming out of the first period in favor of Tampa Bay. You know, the shot attempts at, well, there were no penalties in the first period, but the shot attempts were 39-17 to in favor of the Lightning. I mean, that's 70%, basically 70% of the time is spent in the New York zone. And you only got the one goal to show for it, and that was after you fell behind. So you had to come back and tie it. It's just, it's so... It has to be so hard to not get frustrated. And I, and I think that's the big thing with this team this year compared to past years. You know, I heard plenty of people talk about it and bring the question up. Were they mentally strong enough in past years, especially last year? You know, you're up 3 nothing, and, and you lose game one. Uh, and then you just, they look completely lost in game two. They look very tentative. Rather than seizing the opportunity, they they wilted uh, under the the adversity that they faced after dropping Game One, and they never recovered. Nikita Kucherov gets suspended for Game Three. Victor Hedman is out because of injury for Games Three and Games Four. So now you look at the complete difference in how this team is handled. Just put this in perspective: six. I'll say it again, six overtime wins that they've had in these playoffs. You had the game one against Columbus, the five overtime thriller. You had the game five against Columbus that closed out the series. You had game two against Boston. That was an overtime game. You had game five. That was a double overtime game for Tampa Bay. You had uh, game five of this series, which was a double overtime game. And then you had tonight, game six, which was another time, overtime game. They have played a ton, a ton of overtime in this series. And I saw this stat uh, following around, so I'm going to share it with you right now. They have played a total of 185 minutes and 17 seconds of overtime. Think about that, of overtime. That's like nine extra periods. It's over nine extra periods. So yeah, they've played 16 playoff games, but they play the equivalent of three extra games. 185 minutes, which is the most by any team in one single playoff year. And this is only through three rounds. The previous record was 175 minutes and 10 seconds. That was held by the 1994 uh, New Jersey Devils. So again, they've played almost three extended games, or an an extended game's worth of overtimes. Three extended games. My math is really bad. So 185 minutes of overtime hockey. Those are incredibly stressful stressful minutes. It's it's absolutely gut-wrenching and mentally draining. And for them to kind of go through this gives you a, a different idea, a different feel, a different thought as to what this team is made up of this year. So you can, if you want to talk about a journey, and we always talk about some journeys, how does a team get to a destination that they haven't reached yet? They still have to get four more wins to uh, complete the task here. 
but you think about everything. And many of you who are listening have gone through this as well. Not I know there's some some new fans and some new uh, listeners here as well. But the the journey that everybody associated with this team, and that includes the fans, have gone through since 2015, getting so close and having a 2-1 series lead against Chicago, and then losing the final three games of those series. All of those series, all those games were decided by one goal. Coming close again in 2016, coming close again in 2018, getting it handed to you in 2019. They, they've all been, I don't want to say setting up for this playoff. But it has brought them down paths that they had to go down. Because when you, what's, what's the phrase? Sometimes you have to learn to lose to understand what it takes to win. Or you have to lose to enjoy victory from a sports perspective. And I think that's kind of what has happened here. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. Some of you have wanted to give up on the team. but. There, this is a this is a much much different makeup of this team, and I don't mean because they brought in a, a Pat Maroon and a, and a Kevin Shattenkirk and you know Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, Zach Bogosian. Yeah, they have a different personality to their lineup, but they this is this is a different makeup of a team. Just in in the way in the in the everything that they've gone through, even players like Ryan McDonough, like Ryan McDonough has only been here for a couple of years. Right, he was acquired at the trade deadline in 2018, so he hasn't been through all of this heartache. But he's he certainly felt the previous two years, 18 and 19, big part of it, you know. So it's just it's just a different approach. And that's you think back to many of the conversations that John Cooper's had just just through this particular uh, playoff run, and how many times has he brought up the thought and the idea of just how they like there was as, as much as everybody wanted to have an emotional reaction off of what happened last year you have to sometimes take emotion out of it so that you can properly assess okay how did we get here and you, you guys have heard me if you've listened to me uh, on lightning lunch over the last couple of years have talked about that especially early on in seasons and this is more a little bit more of a bigger picture thought process but it's along the same lines that it's not always about what happened at the moment. It's the process to get you to the moment, right? Like in the early stages of a season, the the comparison there is, okay, you lost the game three to two, but how did you lose the game? What led to the loss? You know, did you play well and it just didn't go your way? Did you play like, you know what, and your goalie bailed you out? And you couldn't get the next goal for him. You know, there are different ways to look at those situations. And I think this is very similar in a lot of ways to the process that they had to go through to get to this point. And you could hear it in John Cooper's voice. I think you could hear it a little bit in uh, Victor Hedman, who spoke after the game in what it meant to him as the second longest tenured player on this team behind Steven Stamkos. It's just, it's a different thought process right now with this team in getting to the point where they are. And again, they, it's, it's, it's not over. There's still another series to play. You don't have much time to enjoy this one because Saturday night game one opens up and the emotions come back once again. Uh, so you're going to have to uh, deal with all of that. Um, 
you know, in a very short period of time. And so are the players, the players are going to have to deal with this again in a very short period of time. They're going to have to get over this win tomorrow, shove it aside and get ready for game one. Uh, because game one is coming at you fast. The the schedule, uh, by the way, and I'm, in case you haven't caught it, uh, it is not your prototypical Stanley Cup final. But then again, this is 2020. So what the hell? Nothing, nothing is anywhere near normal in these circumstances. So game one is on Saturday. That's at 730. That game will be on NBC. So again, Saturday, 730 is game one for NBC. And then every other game is going to be at eight o'clock. So that's Monday, the 21st. That's Wednesday, the 23rd. Friday, the 25th. There's your back-to-back. Saturday, the 26th, would be a possible game five. Monday, the 28th, would be a possible game six. And a game seven, if necessary, would be on Wednesday, September the 30th. So it's going to come at you fast. It's going to come at the players fast. But enjoy this moment for now because the Lightning have earned this. They deserve to be in this spot. Uh, The fans deserve to see them in this spot. Uh, I know I see it all the time. I see everything that comes through my timeline. I know how much this means to the fans. Remember, you're always part of the journey. You're always part of the journey. You know, it's it's something I remember writing very specifically back in 2004 when the Tribune put out a, a special commemorative edition after the Lightning had won the Stanley Cup after that Game 7 victory against the Calgary Flames. You know, myself, Roy Cummings, and Ira Kaufman were the only three beat writers that covered the Lightning since their existence for the paper. Roy, from 92 until about 98, I think. Uh, Ira took it over for a couple of years, and then I took over uh, as the beat writer starting the 2001-2002 season. And we were all asked to write columns about our experiences with it. And I remember writing specifically, my lead to this, I'll never forget it, was as as a as a journalist, as a beat writer, you're never part of the team, but you're part of the journey. And I think that's true with the fans because I see it. You live and die with everything. As a reporter, we don't live and die with it, uh, but you are there to chronicle what's going on from a neutral sort of observer situation. And it's it's a lot different from you know where things are at right now. Uh, especially with nobody allowed uh, up there, um, you know, to be a, around the team. Because even even the reporters in the building, they don't have any special kind of access. They don't have – they can't get the one-on-ones. They get the basically the same interviews that you guys see come across the TV. So it's a little bit different. But you're you're always part of the journey, and you deserve to relish in this moment right now. But don't enjoy it for too long because the emotions are going to have to get ramped up once again, once we get to Saturday. A um, couple of things that just kind of stand out in my mind. The game-winning goal is just everything that epitomizes Anthony Sorelli. Okay? He, he, we weren't even sure if he was going to come back and, and be able to finish the game. He took that hit, that knee-on-knee hit, basically from Anders' lead to, towards the tail end of the second period. Uh, came out and did a little twirl for the start of the third, and uh, he was good to go. But it, just just watch Anthony Sorelli in that situation. Okay, there's a line change that's going on behind him, okay? Because the two wingers that were out on the ice, Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow, how meaningful is that, that the two main guys that they acquired via trade and gave up a lot 
to 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 bring on to this team are the two guys that are out there with Anthony Sorelli in a line change. And uh, but Sorelli is the one guy in on the forecheck, and his job there as the forechecker is to try and keep the puck pinned in deep to allow the change behind him. And it's a shorter change because it's the it's the um, odd even numbered period, the fourth period, and. He has he just has to keep the puck in the zone, keep it occupied. Well, not only does he keep it occupied, he actually wins the puck. It's a one-on-two battle along the wall. One-on-two. And as Anthony Sorelli often does, he won the battle. So he's able to keep the puck. Barclay Goudreau is able to come in the zone, and he's able to get the puck to Goudreau. And then where does Anthony Sorelli go? Straight to the net. It's in his DNA. He doesn't know any other way. It's a, it's a prototypical Anthony Sorelli moment because he's right at the top of the crease, and he's able to take a backhand pass as Goodrow is behind the net, bank it off the far post, it comes across, hits the pad of Semyon Varlamov, and enters the net for the game winner. Just, It's a marvel, and that's the fun in watching Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, we all get mesmerized by you know the speed and the skill of a Braden Point and a Nikita Kucherov, and, and they're marvels to watch. But Anthony Sorelli is a marvel to watch in his own way because of how he goes about the game in that manner. It's just fantastic to watch. And it was just, I thought in many ways, because, you know, we've been asking Anthony Sorelli, when's he going to show up? When's that line going to show up? When are they going to make an impact, um, you know, in a big moment? And, you know, Sorelli had, he look, he's had a couple of big goals. He had the game tying goal in game five against Columbus that sent it to overtime. And then he had the go ahead goal late in the third period in game five against the Bruins before that, the Bruins came back and tied it and forced that game to an overtime. And here he has an overtime winner. He knows nothing but scoring big goals and big moments. You know, he had an overtime Memorial Cup winning goal for Oshawa. He just he just knows how to show up in those moments. So as much heat as he has taken in this playoffs, that's why you stick with him. That's why you stick with a guy like Anthony Sorelli. Uh, because he's going to come through in those moments. Uh, I don't think we can say enough about Andre Vasilevsky. He's he's not being talked about nearly enough in these playoffs because of how much we've talked about Victor Hedman and Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. You know, but ho hum. Here's Anthony uh, Andre Vasilevsky with another game in which he only allows a goal. Ho hum. He's going to stop a breakaway in overtime. Ho hum. Just going out there and doing his job. And you look at his numbers. You know, he came into the game with a 1.88 goals against average. That dropped a little bit tonight. Uh, save percentage has been very consistent and hovering around 930 through almost, almost the entire playoffs. And, you know, you, you can't sit here and say that Andre Vasilevsky has had a bad night. And he has played every single minute of this postseason, of this return to play, because he played the entire game against the Florida Panthers way back on July the 29th in a preseason game or an exhibition game. So he's played... Every single moment. And he hasn't really faltered at any of them. He has been rock solid. So you want to talk about the mental maturity of the team. There's the same thing with Andre Vasilevsky. You know, and he was a guy too. His numbers were terrible last year against Columbus. I mean, the whole team was terrible, but so was he. His save percentage was around 840, 850, which is just horrendous. So... Uh, he has had a a a bounce back year as well. Um, so those are just kind of two moments that, that stand out for me in this game and, and the two players that you know I don't think are getting a whole lot of uh, conversations centered around them. 
but they are a big part of why the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to the Stanley Cup Final for the third time in franchise history. 2004, of course, they won it. 2015, they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, and now you have 2020, and the Lightning are back in the Stanley Cup Final against old friend Rick Bonus and the Dallas Stars. Game one starts on Saturday, and that'll be an interesting, interesting series, especially with the storyline centered around John Cooper and Rick Bonus. I believe I saw that this is the first time a former assistant coach is going head-to-head against his, the head coach that he worked under in the Stanley Cup Final. Think about that. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. That's incredible, incredible to think that that's never happened before in the history of the NHL. And yet here we are. Of course, it's 2020, so why shouldn't we be surprised? All right, a couple of things before we get to uh, your questions. Um, you know, look, make sure that you're, if you're listening to this for the first time, subscribe, whichever outlet you're on if you're listening to us on stitcher or on google or on itunes or spotify or anywhere you get your podcast hit subscribe so that these things show up in your app right away i don't have to you don't have to search for them you you just have to hit download and play actually it'll automatically download for you so make sure you subscribe if you have an opportunity leave me a review especially on itunes go to itunes and just you know leave a review hit the five-star review if you want to leave a comment uh leave a comment i do want to start reading some of those uh, at some point as well because uh it, it just warms my heart to see the reaction uh from from many people who uh, have really taken to this here uh in this little startup project and and it's been great i i can't thank everybody who's listening uh enough right now um we're we're making strides and it's very positive and uh it's because of you guys listening that have made that happen so make sure you do that uh we have a um promo code i want to give you too if you want to sign up to my website uh, if you want to go to lightninginsider.com and use the promo code podcast, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast, in the coupon code for a yearly subscription, I'll give you $10 off your first year uh, of a subscription to the website. Again, that's lightninginsider.com. That's where all my written work is. And, of course, it's time for our trivia question giveaway from the previous podcast two podcasts ago uh the trivia question for a free t-shirt courtesy of smack apparel um the question was brad richards has or how many uh how many playoff game-winning goals did brad richards have during the 2004 run to the stanley cup final and how many did he have total in his career playoff game-winning goals total in his career so uh, a number of you have put in uh, the correct answer have sent me the correct answer I have uh, the correct answer by the way was seven in 2004 as he won the Conn Smythe trophy trophy as the playoff MVP and then the other answer was a total of nine so he had two other game-winning goals as a member of the New York Rangers so seven and nine were the correct answers for those of you who did send them in to me uh, and I, I selected a, a winner at random. Uh, I can do this. Uh, the magic of the internet, if you will. You can actually pull out a random name from a list of, of what they put in. And I want to congratulate Matthew Wheeler. Matthew, you are the winner of the free t-shirt courtesy of Smack Apparel. It is these wonderful blue shirts that say I want to party like it's 2004. Uh, Matthew, I will reach out to you on Twitter. 
that's how you reached out to me. So I will reach out back to you. Uh, I will need to get your size for your t-shirt and I need a mailing address as well. And we'll get that over to the good folks over at Smack Apparel to you. By the way, you can find them in Ybor City. They're based in here in Tampa. Uh, so if you have any uh, inklings to kind of find some of their merchandise, uh, they are based here in Tampa and go to smackapparel.com. And of course, the coupon code that you can use for buy one, get one free is 2020BOGO. That's 2020BOGO if you go to smackapparel.com. All right, there's a ton of questions as you would expect. Uh, so let's kind of get to them here as quickly as we can because uh, there is a ton ton to go through as one might anticipate let's start with one that actually came in before uh, the game tonight it's from matt idle uh true or false based on the impending impending cap crunch the bolts need to find a way to trade tyler johnson even with his no trade clause i mean that that's a question for a week from now two weeks from now we know that lightning have a cap crunch uh especially in a flat cap you know, because of COVID and, you know, no fans in the stands and we're not even sure what next season is going to look like yet on terms of how it's going to be played or whatever. Uh, there's a cap crunch. And instead of the cap going up $5 million, they is, is stuck at 81.5. And you have Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev in particular to sign a new contracts. So that means you're going to have to clear cap space. They've got a lot of money committed already. Um, not a whole lot of room under the current situation. So if you're looking for players to trade, of course, Tyler Johnson's name is going to come up, just as Alex Kalorn's name is going to come up, just as Yanni Gord's name is going to come up, and Andre Pilat. You know, you've got to you've got to clear some money off the cap. There's there's no way around it. And Andre Vasilevsky's contract extension kicks in this year too. His cap hit's going to go from uh, three and a half, three point eight up to nine point five million dollars. So that takes up a chunk of the the cap space as well. So they're in a cap crunch. Um, and here's the thing uh, that I I, I, I kind of have to bring up too because it's it's worthwhile to talk about this. If if everybody, not everybody, but there are plenty of Lightning fans who sit here and say, "Well, Tyler Johnson's done; he can't play anymore." If that's the case, how are you going to trade him? Who's going to want him, especially in this cap world where his cap hit is five million dollars? On a long-term contract, he signed a seven-year deal. It's not as easy to trade Tyler Johnson as you think. If you're if you are the evaluator, if you're an, a, an opposing general manager and you're watching Tyler Johnson play, what makes you say, "Yeah, I need that guy"? So you have to kind of keep that things in mind. It's not as simple as saying, "Yeah, that's the guy we need to trade." You have to give this some thought and kind of look at it from a different perspective. Uh, Darian Summers, why can't I stop crying? Uh, because you're happy, you're emotionally invested. That's why, Darian. Um, from Doug, how nervous were you during overtime? I, I mean, look, I like as as a reporter, sometimes you take some of the emotion out of it, right? Like you t- you lose some of that fandom. Uh, not to say that you don't want to see things go well. Um, you know, you do, but like I'm not as nervous as you think I probably should be. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, twenty years now, covering covering this particular franchise and this team. So my nerves were okay. Uh, from Scott Stevens, talk about the superstition and background and the touching the Prince of Wales trophy. Yeah, it's an old superstition in hockey, and it, it's on it's on both um, Eastern Conference and Western Conference. So it's not just the Prince of Wales trophy, which is awarded to the Eastern Conference champion. Uh, you know, that's not the cup you want, right? Like that's not the trophy you're trying to get. So that's the superstition behind it, that. If you touch that one, well, then you're not going to have good luck when it comes to trying to win the cup. So that's, that's basically the, the time honored tradition of it in hockey. Uh, we saw, of course, the lightning did touch it tonight. 
I also thought it was very touching, <clears throat> pardon me, that the uh, three assistant captains, alternate captains, and Ryan McDonough, Victor Hedman, and Alex Kalorn, who are wearing the A's on their jerseys here through this postseason and throughout most of the year, that they waited until Steven Stamkos could come out and get his picture taken with the three of them around Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly and the Prince of Wales Trophy. I thought that was a very cool moment uh, because I thought, you know, even though Steven Stamkos has not been able to play, he's a huge part of this. He is a huge part of this. You know, from not just being the captain, but from the amount of time he's invested in this franchise. And, you know, he's been through, you know, the team heartbreaks and the personal heartbreaks with the injuries he's had. You know, he deserves to have a part of this. Uh, and we'll get to we'll get to more on Steven Stamkos uh, a little bit later uh, from Chris, who's a sad Bills fan, but a happy Lightning fan. If you had to pick a series MVP for each Tampa Bay series thus far, who would you choose? It's a good question. Uh, I think Braden Point, no doubt, uh, in the series against Columbus. I mean, he had the five overtime game winner. And then, of course, he had the overtime winner uh, in game five to clinch that series for them. So he had a huge impact. Uh, and I would probably I'd probably say um, Victor Hedman for the series against the Bruins. And... I know I'm not supposed to do ties. I know I'm not supposed to do ties in these series MVPs, but uh, but I think you got to go to Vasilevsky and Hedman in this one because Victor Hedman owned owned both ends of the ice in this series in particular, and Vasilevsky was matching. He he was not tested nearly as much as Semyon Varlamov, but when he was tested, he was there. You know, we mentioned the stop he had on Brock Nelson. In overtime, he had a stop on Matthew Barzell on a breakaway in overtime in game five. So he came up and, his, again, his numbers in this series, you think about it, he let in two, he let in one, he let in four in uh, a game where the Lightning weren't very good uh, for about 10 minutes and it cost them uh, pretty much in that series. And then, you know, he lets in, what, one in game uh, game four, one in game two in game five, and one in game six. I think he was fantastic in this series. Uh, also from Doug, uh, we both know the answer, but why in the hell are they doing a back-to-back? Because it's 2020, Doug. It's 2020. Uh, no, the biggest thing, there's two factors at play here when you consider why they're playing back-to-back. Uh, of course, there's no travel involved. Both teams are in the same situation. Um, you know, they're both dealing with the same thing. So there's no competitive advantage or disadvantage in terms of back-to-backs in that aspect. But here's the reasons. Number one, the league would like to end end this as quickly as they can. And they have been lucky because, you know, they, they weren't any, uh, I don't think there were, there were no seven-game series in the first round. There was only one five-game series in the qualification round. And they were very, very close to having four or five-game series in round two. And then you don't have any... Um, you know, you have a five-game series and a six-game series here in the conference final. So it's going to end sooner than they had anticipated anyway. Um, but they want to get it done as soon as they can. And that's part of the motivation here. Uh, and the second one is is they want that Saturday night time slot. It's big, especially in Canada, with the hockey night in Canada. Um, so that's a big reason now under this schedule, you've got two Saturday games. I don't know why they had to go back to back. I don't know why you couldn't just have a situation where the teams had two days off 
before a game. That's not that unusual in the Stanley Cup final, but that's that's part of the motivation um, there. Uh, from Eric Bronstein, uh, how does a team match up against Dallas? Uh, Dallas can be a physical team. Uh, they can play similar, not quite as well. Uh, as the Islanders do, but the difference with the Stars is they have guys, especially in the back end, you know, Mira Heiskanen, you're going to hear that name a lot. He is a fantastic, he's, what is he, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. He's having a fantastic postseason. He's already, I think he's reached 20 points uh, for the Dallas Stars. He can really be a dangerous player uh, if you don't keep an eye on him. Uh, Same with John Klingberg. Uh, he doesn't skate necessarily as well, but he's a really big factor. They have two really good offensive defensemen on the back end that kind of make things kind of work and kind of go for them. Um, and then you've got you know experience with Corey Perry and Joel Pavelski that they brought in this year. Jamie Ben is inspired this year. Uh, Alexander Radulov has been is a big part of their top line. Uh, Tyler Sagan is a big part of their top line. He hasn't quite had the the playoff series that um, you know you would expect out of a player of his caliber, but he's still a dangerous player. Anybody who was around in 2011 and saw what he did in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Boston Bruins as a 19-year-old, uh, probably bringing some bad flashbacks there. Um, so it, it's a tough matchup. It's a very similar matchup. Anton Hudobin in net uh, had a fantastic series against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. He's the big reason why the Stars were able to win that series in five games. And then keep your ears out for this name. Yoel Kibaranta, because he had the hat trick in Game 7 against the Colorado Avalanche, including the overtime game winner. He had an impact in the series against Dallas. He had a late-tying goal uh, in Game 4 that allowed the Dallas Stars to get to overtime, and they won it on a uh, a goal from Alexander Radulov. So there's one. You don't, you're not familiar with this player. I'm not familiar with this player, but he's had a huge impact, so keep that name in mind, Yoel Kibaranta. Uh, from our friend Evgeny, uh, what a game and what a win. My heart is still racing. How about Anthony Sorelli with timely goals in these playoffs? Comes up clutch again. Do you think this will serve as a confidence booster for him to provide some depth scoring for the final? Uh, you, you would like to think so. You would like to think that it would show up because uh, you're going to need depth scoring. I, you can't rely just on Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Andre Palat, and apparently Victor Hedman to score all your goals. You need him to come from from elsewhere, and they did get it tonight. So uh, hopefully it will. You know, But remember, he had the, the tying goal late, as I mentioned, against uh, Columbus in the clinching game, and he had you know a big goal in, in Game 5 against the Bruins late in the third period. It's, it's just in his DNA. It's just who he is. So he's he comes up with clutch goals. You think he's quiet, and then he makes noise like that. Um, I love this one. Whatever, Lightning FCB. Uh, do you think the team feels kind of invincible morally with Braden Point on the ice also about that? Vazzy save on Nelson in the overtime breakaway. It was insane. I mean, there's no doubt that Braden Point makes him a better team. Um, but I don't know if, if it gives him a different sense. It just it just rounds out the, the roster, rounds out the lineup, rounds out the lines and, and what they can do when he's out there. It's just like I said after game five. You know, if Braden Point's in that game, they probably win it. But they didn't lose it because Braden Point wasn't there. Right, like they did enough to win that game, they just didn't, and and maybe that's where you miss a Braden point. But he wasn't the reason that they lost the game. Uh, but there's no doubt when he's at his best and he's playing healthy. <laughs> uh, another one from Eric Bronstein. Uh, how concerned should we be regarding the lack of power play success? Yeah, it's been an issue. It's been an issue throughout the playoffs, and it really popped up here in these last two games in particular. Right, like you had three 
three power plays in the third period, basically, including the double minor uh, in the final minute that carried over to the start of the overtime. Uh, you know, just like in game five, you had a high sticking double minor that gave Tampa Bay four minutes of power play time. They didn't take advantage of it. I mean, those are opportunities that, you know, they got away with it tonight. They did not get away with it uh, in game five. So, it's a little bit of a concern. Uh, hopefully Jeff Halpern will, will work on some things. So you've seen some different looks. You've seen some different personnel moving around. They've, they've got to find a way to uh, get that thing going. Uh, from Quizzy, why is NHL on NBC Sports so in love with Barzell and Clutterbuck? Uh, Barzell is a fantastic player. I don't know why they kept highlighting him. He had almost zero impact on this series. Yeah, he dances with the puck, and, and he was moving around with the puck. But... I got to look at the final numbers from the series. I haven't seen him yet, but he did not have much of an impact. And my goodness, did they fall in love with Cal Clutterbuck in this game? Because all they would mention is hits. Like they highlighted in the first intermission on the first Islanders, well, the only Islanders goal, trying to say that Clutterbuck came in and forced a turnover. No, that's not what led to the goal. Like, I don't remember who the D-man was. He came in to forecheck, but... You know, he was able to get the puck over to his partner, and then there was one other pass made after that before the turnover happened. Like, Cal Clutterbuck did not create that play, and, and all they could talk about were this number of hits. It, it's it's mystifying how NHL keeps focusing in on that one stat and physical presence and physical presence and physical presence. It just it blows my mind that those are the players they continue to talk about. Thank goodness we no longer have to listen to them talk about Matt Martin, Matt, um, Cal Clutterbuck, or Ryan Reeves. You'd have thought that all three of those guys were first team all stars as much hype as I got. Let's highlight let's highlight the great players. That's again, that's my problem with playoff hockey is that it's played differently. It's allowed to be played differently, and we don't get to see the stars shine necessarily as much. And I sit here saying you look at the playoffs that Brayden Point and Kita Kucherov have and Victor Hebner's had, but there's so much highlight on those type of players that it's almost too much. Um from Mark Handers, uh, who I believe, Mark, you're the one who's in Barcelona, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, hey, if you're listening to this, it's not up for your breakfast time. It's probably up sometime around a lunchtime for you over there. Uh, two questions from Mark. Uh, do you feel the Lightning have tried to force it too much, Games 5 and Game 6, with a lot of extra passes? No, no, I don't. You you know, you want probably a little bit more of a shooter mentality, but I don't think they tried to force it. Remember, forcing things is kind of what got them in problems before. Like, there weren't a ton of, of forced plays that resulted in turnovers, right? Like, they, they had a really pretty good approach with their puck management. Uh, and the second one from Mark, I know you said Cooper trusts his guys, but after his play capped off with a Nelson partial break is... Tyler Johnson scratch coming. No, it's not. I know I feel this question a couple of times. It's not happening. And a lot of it's because what I just talked about with Anthony Sorelli, you, you know that he has it in him to come up with a big moment. We haven't seen it yet. It's been disappointing. They need to get him going. I'd like to see him yeah, move back to the center. I don't think he's very effective on the wing. Um, you know, but they do need to get him going. But no, he's not going to be scratched. I, look, I, I, I can't say that. I would be shocked if he scratched, right? Because that's John Cooper, his, his entire professional coaching career. He's had Tyler Johnson and Tyler Johnson has come up in big moments for him. So coaches remember that stuff. And it's a tough decision, even in these situations, if you think that they, um, you know, have to be, uh, if you're going to scratch him, that's why I don't see it coming, uh, from Michael Alderman. If you're John Cooper, what do you work on at this point? Is it just staying the course until you see something with Dallas to address? Yeah, because the thing is, I believe that these 
just about every team they've played is similar to Dallas. You know, there's a lot of same. Now, the one interesting thing here is the familiarity between John Cooper and Rick Bonus. Now, the team has changed their makeup a little bit since Rick was here. Um, their mentality certainly has changed since Rick was here. Um, but I, th- I think that, uh, you know, you go over tape and you're going to look at things. Um, you know, you're going to you're going to get your scouting in for sure. You're going to look at their special teams in particular. Uh, maybe you're going to find ways, try and find a weakness on Anton Hudobin uh, in some capacity. You know, you're going to do all that stuff. But in terms of the way the lighting are playing, I don't think that's going to change. Like, I think that they're they understand what what they're up against. And again, very similar in a lot of ways to Columbus and the Islanders and just in terms of the defensive structure, because what we saw from the Dallas Stars in round two against Colorado, that's not who they are. What you saw against Vegas, that's who they are. That is their DNA. That is their team identity. And it's similar to what the Lightning have already faced. So they kind of already know what they're up against. Uh, from Michael Musetta, so glad for Kevin Shattenkirk that Vasilevsky made the overtime save. Otherwise, he would have had a turnover for two games in a row, hoping he has a great final series. I believe that was Tyler Johnson's turnover, though, Michael, if I'm not mistaken. That's the one we're talking about. Um, yeah, but look, it was good. Like, like, cause that wasn't a mistake. Like I said, it wasn't a mistake by Kevin Shattenkirk. It was an unfortunate play. It's kind of like if his stick broke, right? You, you see that happen. Um, you know, I think it happened to Zach Bogosian this year in in the play. I think it was in the in the series against Boston where he had a, a situation where his stick broke. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it, it's good that that didn't uh, come back to haunt Kevin Shattenkirk, and he was one of the guys that came out and talked about. Um, I would assume I don't know necessarily what this question. Uh, I haven't gone back and listened to the tape yet. Uh, I assume you're talking about Sorelli said that there were four Lightning players that did not play well. Who do you think he was talking about? I think he implied Sorelli into the overtime. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I apologize, Mike. I don't know exactly what you're talking about there. Um, you know, they, they had some guys that you would like to see better. Uh, Kalor needs to be better. Tyler Johnson needs to be better. Um, and then Michael adds, try, tying back to the last tweet, I don't think one of the four was a rally. I think everybody played smart, disciplined hockey like they have been doing. Yeah, it's a difference between this team. They have been very, very uh, disciplined for the most part in their puck management. Not so much with the penalties, but with their puck management. Uh, from Ryan Wells, uh, two questions. Tyler Johnson continues to be a liability out there. I get Coop sticks with his guys, but how can he keep justifying keeping him in when Verhage has looked better? Based on what Tyler Johnson has done in the past, you know, at the end of the day, if Carter Verhage is still a rookie, you know, and there are moments that you can trust a Tyler Johnson that you don't necessarily trust Carter Verhage yet. I think Carter Verhage has shown how much of a party he can be of this team next year. Uh, but as of right now, I think you trust the experience maybe a little bit more than, um, you know, Carter Verhage as well as Verhage has played. Uh, the second question, Dallas is coming off of a bit of a rest in Tampa Bay with a quick turnaround. Do you see 11-7 and seven or 12-6? and six? Well, look, if they weren't going to play 12-6 and six after finishing game two with nine forwards, I don't know if they're going to change it up. I, I don't see any reason why they would change it up right now. It makes sense to me, but based on what we've seen them do, uh, maybe the health comes in the factor. I, I don't know. Um, my guess is they stay with the 11-7. and seven. Uh, from Devin Leach, how often do teams touch the Prince of Wales trophy? Love the show. Thank you, Devin. Uh, it just depends. It just depends. It's each team has their own conversation about it. Um, you know, I, I want to say that the year the lightning won the cup that both Calgary and Tampa Bay touched the, the cup at the end of the conference finals, right? Like, so it's, it's just a, it's kind of a silly superstition. If you, if you kind of think about it, like just because if you 
there's there, you don't get luck because you touch it or you or, or you don't uh, have bad luck if you touch it right like it's just it's just so every team is different uh from atf more likely to play in the final stamkos or bishop i think that's an easy one without knowing exactly what's going on with ben bishop i think steven stamkos has more likely to play in this situation uh from a r n d TJC, uh, in your opinion, has Tampa seen better goaltending so far than what they'll face versus Udobin? Seems like the only thing standing between Tampa Bay and the Cup could be a hot goaltender. Well, I mean, Varlamov was doing a lot to the um, to the Lightning that Hudobin was doing to the Vegas Golden Knights in some ways. Um, and Hudobin's a little bit of a different style of goaltender. He is a battler. Um, he, I'm not going to say he flops around the net, but he is aggressive, uh, in his movements around the net. He's not one of those calm type of goaltenders that we're used to seeing. So that's a little bit of a different look. Uh, and look, uh, you know, Hudobin had a great series against Vegas. He did not have a great series against Colorado. So we'll see where that stands uh, and what, what can happen with him. Uh, another one from Mike Musetta, even though Varlamov has an excellent game, Vasilevsky still had a better save percentage for the game. A huge game-saving stop on the shorthanded chance, still waiting for his first shutout, uh, still leading the playoffs <coughs> in save percentage, uh, the last four remaining goalies, and now two. Yeah, it's like that's amazing to think about that. He hasn't pitched a shutout yet, right? Like, he hasn't, uh, yet his numbers are spectacular. Uh, from Lee, how likely is it the special teams will decide the cup winner? The Stars are slightly better percentage-wise in both the power play and penalty kill. What area is more important, five-on-five five or special teams? To me, it's five-on-five. It's five on five. You know, if, if you can control the game five on five, you're going to have a better chance. Yeah, you want your power play to come through, but as long as your penalty kill and your five on five is going, uh, I think it's more important that uh, the five on five play. I mean, that's that's kind of what won, you know, the light in the series against the Bruins. And in a lot of ways, it's what won them the series here against the Islanders is how they stayed disciplined five on five and didn't turn it into fire wagon hockey at times. Uh, from Brandon, who's checking in from Fernandana Beach. Uh, what is the toughest aspect to overcome in order to beat the Dallas Stars? It is um, finding a way to get to the middle areas of the ice, similar to what you've had to do against the New York Islanders and, and getting traffic. That's one of the things that they highlighted a ton in the series between Vegas and Dallas is that Vegas had nobody in the front of the net. You have to find ways, especially with Hudobin, who's a smaller goalie. He's one of the few goaltenders who are under six foot in the NHL that you have to um, you have to find ways to take his eyes away. Um, so to me, it's um, that's, that's the biggest thing you have to do. Get inside of the Dallas defense uh, and then be tough around your own net. Jamie, Ben, Corey Perry, Joel Pavelski, they're all tough around the opposing net. Uh, you got to make sure that you win those battles down low with those guys uh, from Tony. Uh, if, and that's a big if, Stamkos is somehow healthy, would you slot him into the second line and scratch Johnson? Tyler struggling to get going these playoffs. Vasilevsky was huge on that breakaway heart and mouth moment. Yeah, it was. It was an O. See, I, I would classify as as an O, you know what moment. <laughs> that's kind of how I looked at it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt if Stamkos is, comes back. Well, there's two ways to, to think about this. If Stamkos comes back, He's either slotting right back into the second line, and he's played, uh, you know, a ton this year with Kalorn and Sorelli, so he can do it. Um, you're not breaking up Poloin, uh, Kucherov and, uh, and Point and Palat. You're not breaking up that line, and you're not breaking up the Gord Goudreau Coleman line. So the only options there are fourth line minutes, or put him on the second line wing, and then. But then, what do you do with Tyler Johnson? Is that when you go back to twelve and six, or do you stick with eleven and seven? I don't. Again, I don't see them. I don't see John Cooper scratching. 
Tyler Johnson. I just I don't see it. Even though even though you're struggling, because you have to keep hoping that he's going to find his groove. Uh, I know we're what 16 games into these playoffs, and he hasn't, uh, and that's frustrating. But I'm telling you, from a coach's standpoint, they don't necessarily see it that way. Um, but but even if even if you like even if you could put Stamkos again, who hasn't played since February, in a fourth line type of role in terms of his minutes, and then a power play guy, I think you'd be okay with that. Uh, if you're dressed in 12 and 7 or 12 and 6. Uh, yeah, Mike um, corrected himself on the, the turnover. It was Johnson, not Shattenkirk. Um, Johnson, maybe one of the players, Phil. Oh, Phil Espo. Okay, Phil. I didn't understand what that uh, what you said there. So Phil was talking about. Yeah, no. Uh, look, Tyler Johnson has had a tough playoffs. So there's no doubt about it. Ever since the round robin, he had two goals in the round robin, including that late winner against the Bruins in the second round robin game. Um he is um you know he's he struggled and you need to get him going. So uh there's no doubt about that. All right, this has gone on long enough as usual, but it's because of the great questions that everybody had. I thank you so much for sending them in. Uh it's it's again it's the big part of the show. Uh I love to do it. I love the interaction. I love to be able to kind of you know, give you guys uh, some of my thoughts on a lot of these things with specific questions. So it's great. Don't forget, Matthew Wheeler is the winner of our Party Like It's 2004 t-shirt, courtesy of Smack Apparel. So Matthew, uh, I'll reach out to you at some point uh, on Twitter here in the next couple of days to be able to get uh, the information I need from you. Uh, make sure that you hit subscribe on this podcast. Give me the five-star reviews. Always, if you ever have questions, find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Erlinson is the best way to find me. Uh, use the hashtag AskEE. Uh, that's the best way to get here on the podcast uh, with the questions. Uh, don't forget, Stanley Cup Final Game number one is Saturday at 7.30. Uh, I get some more things in the works. Um, I'll be doing some post-game stuff with Jay Retcher on WDAE after the games as well. Uh, so look for that. Um, and, of course, we'll keep doing these podcasts as well. Uh, so, as always, thank you, everybody, for listening, for subscribing, for the f- encouraging feedback. It's great to hear. We'll be back with another podcast. If not a series preview, then definitely for after Saturday's game will be the next one at the latest. Uh, keep listening. Keep subscribing. I can't thank you enough. We'll talk again. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.